0: Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward.
1: And I'm Ron Jorla.
0: We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm so excited for today's conversation, not only because of the topic, but because of the dear brother joining us via Zoom, Isaac Adams. Isaac serves as the lead pastor at Iron City Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and is the founder of United We Pray, a ministry devoted to praying about racial strife. He is a speaker and author of the new book, which we'll be discussing today Talking About Race, Gospel Hope for Hard Conversations. Isaac Brother, thanks again for your willingness to join today's conversation and for all of the work uh, that you do.
2: Oh, bless you, all man. Thank you. I tell people it's nice to be on other people's podcasts. Uh, yeah, I was about to say it's, it's probably
0: a little weird uh, being the interviewee instead of the the host for once.
2: That's right. I just I'm glad I don't have to remember to hit record <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, as I like look to see if I actually hit record. Um, so, brother, l- let me let me start by asking, what made you want to write this book on having conversations about race, and and what was the process like putting a resource like this together?
2: Yeah. Um, in terms of what made me want to write this book, uh, I, I originally set out to write a very different book. It was just going oh, just but it was it was going to be a book on how practically Christians can combat racism. Um, and in the wake of that, Ahmaud Arbery was gunned down and now I can say murdered. Mm-hmm. Um and this is all kind of as COVID is breaking too and all of this stuff is happening. Um, and African American actor Sterling K. Brown, um, released this video about how he felt like he had to wear a mask as an African American, which of course draws upon, um, a poem from 1896 by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, which is really a prayer about how that, how as African Americans, uh, can so often feel in predominantly white spaces, we have to wear masks of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that being a metaphor has nothing to do with COVID. Um, fun fact, I originally wanted to call the book We Wear the Mask, which is the name of that poem. But the editor, it was COVID, and the editor was like, yeah, that's just not going to thats just not gonna fly. Um, and they were right. And so, um, man, it seemed to me, though, as a pastor, because that's what I'm trying to primarily contribute here, is a pastoral word for the moment and for the conversation, um, that people from all types of ethnicities and racial backgrounds felt like they had to wear masks. They might not wear them with equal amounts of difficulty or for equally good reasons, but they felt that nonetheless. And it seemed to me that if we can't even communicate, what hope do we have for loving one another if we can't even speak to one another, Mm -hmm. much less our neighbor? And so I felt a burden to at least help us begin an actual God-glorifying, constructive conversation. And so that's, I mean, that's really what led me to write the book. And sometimes I say, man, a lot of my writing is just born out of pain. And it was the pain of seeing how toxic conversations on race mm-hmm. would be. And the pain of thinking how delighted the enemy was at that, uh, because we were doing a great job of not showing the world we are Jesus's disciples by the way we love and talk to one another. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What was your second question? Remind me, Brandon. <laughs> uh,
0: the second one was what the process was like putting it together. Oh,
2: yes. Painful is the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, I've not faced spiritual warfare like I faced writing this book. I mean, it mm. was so acute mm. um, that I really – I didn't realize it until recently. While I was writing it, I think I was asking the subtle question, is, it, is this worth it? Mm. By God's grace – through the feedback I've gotten, the answer has so clearly been yes. But I'm thankful he didn't show me how hard it would have been on the front end because mm. it was it was painful, man. You're, that, there's a piece of my soul in that joint, so yeah. you can call me Voldemort, but
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man,
2: <laughs> it was it was painful.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, writing is always painful. You know, you're always uh, you know guessing and second guessing you know and and you say something and and it's 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 a crazy thing when you're looking on a screen or you're looking at a page and and you go I'm just going to like put this out here and and anybody whatever. can say whatever you know about it, and, and, and so on. Yeah, it's and especially in this conversation, you you really you know yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta have more than just uh, a hobby. <laughs> you know, uh, you you yeah. really have to have uh, the the sense that this needs to be said, um, yeah. and it needs to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. So so for those unfamiliar with the book. Uh, why don't you spend a couple minutes just walking us through it? You know, what, what, uh, how did you structure the book? What, what's kind of a main idea that you have uh, in there? Yeah. What, what's, what's going on here?
2: Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate the question. Um, So talking about race, gospel hope for Hard conversations uh, is a book about why it is so hard to talk about race. So that is the central question I'm trying to answer. Why is it so hard for Christians in America to talk about race with each other? That's the kind of, the question I want to answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that question is as important as it is ignored. Mm. Um, I think often, and, you know, it's funny, I run into this often, you know, I think a lot of Christians, praise God, want to do big things when it comes to racial justice. They want to march. They want to, you know, do this or stop that. And I'm like, that's great. You can't even have a constructive conversation with that person you dread seeing at Thanksgiving, much Mm -hmm. less on Sunday morning. And so, perhaps, if we understood why it is even so hard to do this very basic thing, it would help us to endure in pursuing the very the very good things we should pursue regarding racial justice and so I tried to help folks see that in terms of the book's structure. it's a bit of a weird animal um <laughs> it is half what I would call parable mm-hmm. um and half kind of pastoral commentary. So like I was saying in the last answer, um, I fear this is a, this book has a pastoral perspective and heart. Uh, I fear the race conversation has lots of prophets, but few pastors. Mm. And I think we would be helped to talk more like pastors, uh, godly pastors. And so, um, So in terms of the structure, uh, what I tell is a fictional account of the shooting of an unarmed black man, Mm -hmm. uh, much like we've been used to seeing over these last years, tragically. And I, I have five characters and I have, I kind of give you um, their perspective. I don't kind of, I give you their perspective. And so, um, you know, I I give you their perspective, and then I respond to them as if they were a member of my church and how I would encourage them to think or not think. Uh, And so in terms of those perspectives, you have your white well meaning politically conservative wants to be sympathetic to the conversation, but is kind of skeptical, brother. Mm -hmm. uh, You have your black brother who's been in the conversation for a long time and Mm -hmm. is tired. He's one of few minorities at this predominantly white church. You have your, I don't like this term, but for sake of shorthand, you have your woke white girl who's ready to tear down Mm -hmm. the church because she thinks it's the bastion of white supremacy. You have your Asian sister uh, who wishes the conversation could be more than black or white, black and white. And then you have their pastor. Who is just trying to hold the ship together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I walk through all of that, uh, trying to encourage these folks from God's word about how they can speak better about these matters. Because, and I'll just end with this: the Bible talks a lot about talking, it has a lot to say about that big hole in our face.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, talking, though may seem insignificant, Proverbs is exactly right. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. And so we really want to think about the things we're saying about such tender and important issues.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so good. So why are having conversations on and about race so difficult? Why is it that so often these conversations can take some really ugly twists and turns?
2: Yeah, man, it's interesting. In writing a book that answers a why question, I discovered there's not one answer. Right. So I tried to I think I walked through some like 13 or 20, depending on how you count reasons why it is so hard, each of which are different, but though they overlap. I mean, for and, and we could pick any handful of these reasons. Uh, we could look at why the fact that our churches are largely racially segregated. We honestly, so we are speaking different languages. Even if we're using the same words, we have different dictionaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could just look at um, how often we think more with our political base than with our Bibles. Mm -hmm. We could look at the fact that this is a complicated conversation. Mm -hmm. It's actually not simple. Uh, If it could have been fixed in 20 years, it would have been fixed in 20 years. So it's a complex conversation. It's not just complex. It's also painful. But it's not painful for everyone equally. And that makes it its own hard thing to speak about. Mm -hmm. And so understanding the nuances of this conversation. And that right there is another reason it's so difficult. We don't live in an age that likes nuance. Nuance doesn't tweet well, It doesn't sell well. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet that is exactly what's needed when we're dealing with one of the nation's most difficult and terrorized issues. Uh, And so and I mean, another reason it's hard to talk about one that I think usually is it seems like a light bulb for folks is that race is a Velcro issue. Everything sticks to it. Education, economics, housing, you know, food distribution. I mean, we could keep going down the list Mm -hmm. and who of us are competent. We're sitting on this thing as pastors. Which one of us are competent to speak to any of those sectors (laughs) with any level of expertise, not many of us. And so and that's a whole nother reason is that we speak out of ignorance. And so I can keep going, man. But there are lots of reasons uh, that our conversations go sideways that if we pause to think about, we'd realize mm, maybe it is better to be slow to speak and quick to listen.
1: Well, one of the things you say um, about your book is that it, it points to the starting line. Uh, and not the finish line when it comes to following Jesus amid race relations. So, so what's the end goal? I mean, you you turn on TV, you read books, you go to lectures, you know, and and so on. And it seems like the the conversation is so crowded. There are so many voices in in the conversation, and if you listen carefully, it doesn't seem like everybody has the same end goal. Uh, so what? is the end goal uh, for, for these conversations, at least in your opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, what well, good is my opinion? I'd rather give you God's, right? So <laughs> I would think First Corinthians give us tenor, gods, one yep. lays out, lays out uh, the end goal of everything, which is ultimately to glorify God. And I don't mean that as a stock Christian answer, uh, because I think that provides a lot of freedom for us. Uh, we want, so I think in one chapter I walk through, why have this conversation? I'll lay out six reasons, Uh, and uh, one of them being the glory of God. So, you know, I don't really care if the conversation is popular or not or if it's trending on Twitter or not. I'm in this because I believe God's glory is wrapped up in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe his people, he actually died to make his people one. I believe Jesus actually cared about it in John 17 when he prayed for our unity. Mm -hmm. And so we have a conversation to take up for the glory of God. Another reason we want to have the conversation is because the first commandment is to love God with all our mind, soul and heart and strength. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to love our neighbors. And these conversations can, if we have them well, help us love our neighbors. They can move us toward our neighbor. Uh, we're going to have to learn about our neighbor if we're going to love them, and how do we learn without communication? Um, another reason uh, the conversations are so important um, is because there is an evangelistic testimony at stake. So John thirteen thirty five, Jesus says, this is how the world will know you're my followers, by the way you love one another. So it's not just only about loving our non-believing neighbor. It's about loving one another. So I often say if you care about evangelism, you should care about racism. Mm. Because in the way the way Satan has used racial racism, uh ethnic partiality, you know, however we want to define that, uh, throughout the centuries in American churches has not just been to hurt people, it's also been to hurt the reputation of Christ. What mm. why would I go to that church? They don't they talk about a lot, they don't even they don't even love each other, much mm-hmm. less the people who claim they're in the same faith. And this mm-hmm. is why it is so tragic that America so many American evangelical churches, far from being the first people to integrate, were the last lines of resistance historically, mm-hmm. because churches are voluntary associations. The federal government couldn't require them to integrate like they could public schools. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, those are just some of the reasons. So to your question, Jour about like, what is the end goal? Well, okay. Glorifying God. That's great. But even more specifically, I'd say the end goal is to increase in love for each other and love mm-hmm. for your neighbor. And love is not easily measured, right? It's not, it's not, how do you put a metric on love? So is it, you know, is it pay out this amount of reparation? Is it, well, maybe, uh, but I don't even want to stop there because I don't just want people paid. I want people loving one another. Mm. Uh, and so that's where I would I would land on the end goal. And I hope God's word would push us to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 when he says, I, I urged you, or as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. In order to Mm -hmm. devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promotes speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So here, here are these false teachers. And they're teaching different doctrines. They're getting all caught up in conspiracy theories, and and they're trying to, you know, connect things to genealogies, and and I mean, it's just a, it's just a big mess. And and he says that they're doing that rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith, that which God has entrusted to us by faith, which I would take to be the gospel. So Mm -hmm. instead of being focused on the gospel, they've gone off to Looneyville, you know, listen, you know, just teaching all kinds of crazy, wacky stuff. And Paul Mm -hmm. then says in verse five, the aim of our charge. So this is why I want you to charge them. This is this is why I want you to confront them. This is why I want you to expose them. This is why I want you to call them out. The aim of our charge is love Mm
2: -hmm. that issues
1: from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And I think that goes both ways. I think it's both, you know, the reason that you're charging them is because you love them. Mm-hmm. And the reason you charge them is because you want them to love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and only sound doctrine can produce that kind of love. And I think that a lot of that has ramifications for what we're talking about here. Here we are talking about just what you said at its most basic, most fundamental thing we're seeing uh, what it, uh, in, in a tangible form, racism is a denial of the God, you know, who created us and created us good, you know, who called what he created good. And so he sees us in, in our different ethnicities and, and, you know, in his providence, putting us where he put us, when he put us, you know, and so on. All the cultural stuff that he sovereignly baked into us, you know, uh, as humans, and he says... OK, that's exactly where I want you to be, you know, so that the end goal, of course, would be that you would, uh, as, as Acts 17 says, uh, that, that we would call out to him from where we are, you know, from uh, all the different places where he has uh, where he has sovereignly placed us. But the also uh, the other goal is um, uh, with all of this is that we would teach people through sound doctrine how to love one another. Uh, so that goal of the gospel, if the goal of the gospel is in, you know, uh, by and large, uh, the love of God, you know, an ever-increasing love of God, you know, through our Lord uh, Jesus Christ and our ever-deepening love for one another, how does this work? <laughs> it's just this, this is so opposed to the very nature of of who God is and the very nature of what God is creating and recreating us to be. Um, And so, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, when Paul says this to Timothy, he might as well could be saying this to all of us, too. That is like, hey, we need to charge those who are teaching different doctrines Twisting the scriptures, you know, to justify, uh, you know, their hatred of of others and so on. Uh, but we do so one because we love you too much to see you continue on in, in heresy, you know, to see you continue on in false false teaching, and also we want to see you be people who love like Jesus loves, um, and and so on. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right on board with you, uh, uh with that. Now for pastors. <laughs> if we're going to say you know like like paul with the authority of the apostle paul i'm i'm going to charge you to tell certain people not to continue to teach this this kind of doctrine yeah where do you start with that? <laughs> because you've got pastors going I, I, I don't know if I want to go there um, you know as you already said this is this is highly charged it's a hot button topic and all of that. everybody loves everyone everyone's giving you know uh, uh, you know we have our meet and greet and everybody hugs each other and, and, and everything however awkward that may be. Uh, why in the world would I rock the boat you know so what what is the starting point? uh, for, for this kind of conversation for any pastors that are hearing that are probably deathly afraid of having this conversation in their church?
2: Yeah. Well, if the starting point is God and what he has done in the gospel, um, and his glory as pastors, we need to, uh, and we of all people should understand just because we say there's peace, peace, that does not mean there is peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I While I under, I certainly am sympathetic with the pastor who is like, I'm afraid to to jump in to this conversation, understand completely. And as pastors, we have to have the wisdom when to wade in. And that is not always clear. That's right. A couple of things I say, and I really just in that past, this is why I wrote the chapter to the pastor, uh, because I, I wanted to give some tangible and practical steps on right. what you can do what you can do. Um, but where I begin really is saying it's okay to not know the next step.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's, okay. it's a, that okay. That is okay. God in his wisdom has designed us to be limited finite creatures. It is okay mm-hmm. to not know the next step. But in terms of the conversation uh, and not being willing because like, hey, you know, giving and all that is good, man. Goodness. Like, I hope no one would be resting on that of like, well, Church seems happy. So why would I make it sad? It's like it's not about our comfort in that sense. Mm -hmm. It's about what God has called us to do and in being faithful to the matters of love and mercy and justice and faithfulness. And so uh, I would say there it's about shifting and understanding first pastor. It's about pursuing faithfulness. In terms of what in terms of what pastors can do i lay out lots of things one i say is keep preaching the gospel uh keep preaching the whole gospel like we don't want to um make racism seem like the sin that can never be forgiven but i also fear we act like it's the sin that can never be committed mm. so we're good with lust we're good with envy But, you know, no one is racist anymore. Of course, that's just simply not true. Sin doesn't have an expiration date in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to keep making space in your church uh, for issues that are not the gospel. So if you're going to have a multicultural church or a multi-ethnic church, uh, you are going to have differences of opinion. Mm -hmm. And you, pastor, have to be a chief guard of unity to say, hey, both of y'all can actually think that and still love Jesus. Mm -hmm which mm-hmm. folks do not assume in our culture. So those would be right. those would be some steps in terms of what can I actually do? What, and I'll, I'll throw one more out there. I think a lot of pastors should realize that probably in their churches, they have a wealth in some of their members to have their members simply share their stories. Mm-hmm. Story is hard to argue with. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, we're just going to have Ron George share about what it was like to grow up in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find oh, time and time again is like, yeah, you can get up there and you can read, you know, letter from a Birmingham jail. It's incredibly powerful. Uh, or you could have Cheryl share. Mm-hmm. And the church knows and loves Cheryl. And right. what that does is it engenders, again, love and humility in the congregation. Sure. So I try to give lots of pastoral tips like that uh, in terms of what pastors can do, because often they're at the middle of the crossroad and the crosshairs of the conversation.
0: So let's talk social media for a second. Oftentimes this is where the conversation is being had uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, you name it. Is is social media the right place to have conversations like this, conversations on race and on racial injustice? Uh, Why or why not? You ask a good question, Brandon. Um,
2: (laughs) Third John fourteen, John says, "I got a lot to say to y'all, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd rather not write with pen and ink." And what he is showing there is the pastoral wisdom that Ephesians four twenty nine, Paul calls people to, uh, you know, speak as fits the occasion, mm-hmm. that you may impart grace to those who hear. So the occasion, the context matters, and the recipient matters. And so uh, we have to ask ourselves, is a medium that encourages encourages combative rhetoric, mm-hmm. a medium that uh, really precludes, uh, but I, I should at least say polemic rhetoric, rhetoric, it rewards it, likes, retweets, the rest, mm-hmm. really precludes any kind of tone, any kind of body language. Uh, is this going to be fruitful? And it also limits my characters to Mm -hmm. 280 characters. Uh, Is this going to be a fruitful medium for a really difficult conversation?
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: I trust the answer is obvious. Yeah. Now that said, you know, it sounds like we're going to do some, I think great good can be accomplished on social media. So I'm not anti-social media. I'm not even... You know, I've found people saying, you know, some of the quotes in the book that I begin chapters with, I found through social media. Like, so there, it's not to say no one can ever say anything helpful, mm-hmm. but on the whole is this helpful? And I'm not convinced it is, uh, because so often there's something that happens to people when they're behind their avatar, that it has a disinhibition effect, where I say something Ron shore, I would never say to him mm-hmm. if I was face to face with him, mm-hmm. never, This is why COVID was so destructive during this conversation because we were locked up in our homes and with our computers and we forgot. That's why, you know, God has made, has made it in his wisdom where we actually see each other in the church and gather in the church. Just like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I actually love this person. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do in our weakness and in our fickleness. So uh, yeah, I think it takes two extremely godly people and thoughtful and careful people to have a good conversation about these matters, at least on Twitter.
1: Hmm. Yeah. There, there, um, Oh goodness. I believe it was Marshall McLuhan old, you know, back in the day, uh, media, uh, theorist, media critic, uh, guy who famously said the the medium is the message. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, uh, was probably the most famous thing that he said. The medium is the message. And, I think that we recognize that with, you know, different messages work with different media. You know, yeah. uh, there, there are certain things that work, you know, here that just just simply don't work in other places and things that work in other places that just simply don't work here. Um, and, and I don't want my message to be filtered through a medium that that. That doesn't work for what I'm trying to say. Uh, for instance, uh, if you know, if I were trying to make a a big political address or something like that, I I wouldn't want to uh, communicate it, say the State of the Union or something like that, uh, through an animated uh, you know cartoon. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, that medium doesn't work for the type of message that I'm trying to communicate. And in the yeah. same, in the same sense, you know, this is a, an important enough conversation and a complex enough conversation that I don't know if the media of social, you know, social media, uh, whether it's a tweet or an Instagram post or, you know, TikTok, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they fit the significance and the complexity of the conversation. There are things I can say uh, but if I want to have a real, you know, let's let's go there. Let's 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 work with the nuance. Let's work with the difficulties and the complexities and all of that. It's just not the space for complexity. Uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm totally with you on that.
2: And just on that real quick, uh, before you get to your next question, Ronjore. Yeah. Um, I think that shows, it goes back to our question about pastors and what they can do, because Again, going back to the dude who's like, well, things are going well right now. Well, are they? If your people are either harboring racist attitudes or not being challenged, our job is to present everyone mature in Christ. Mm -hmm. It's not to make Christians' lives easy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the reason I say that is because we have a duty to teach all that Christ has commanded. Yes. And so there is a question, has Christ commanded us to live just lives? I want to meet the christian who would say no Mm -hmm. of course he has and so the question isn't you know like should i weigh, you know do i weigh in uh and make these people uncomfortable because who cares about the sinner's comfort the Mm -hmm. problem is we're comfortable in our sin exactly and so we want to reach out uh and not just we of course i love the gospel and i'm a gospel preacher but it's out of that message we get that does not mean the lord does not have imperatives for our lives, and so we want to teach those things mm-hmm. and pastors of all people should be used to saying things that make people feel uncomfortable and squishy and yeah
1: yeah yeah of course it uh it, it it probably um helps uh for the both of us, i think in that you know i I grew up in you know black church uh context and so on my my parents my grandparents and 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 so forth. And so I'm just used to preachers, you know, going into difficult spaces <laughs> and and saying things. It's almost like we expect you to come, you know, and yeah. we expect you to bring it. You know, we expect yeah. you to, to, to step on my toes. You know, we, we expect. You know, blisters and bunions, you know, and everything, you know, when it's all when it's all said and done, uh, because that's what we came for. We came for you to, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, to confront me, you know, with the word of God and to call me again to hope in Christ. Yeah,
2: amen. Amen.
1: So so we've already mentioned this. This is, you know, this is a conversation that is highly charged with emotions uh, and, and, and we've focused a lot on people's experiences, uh, that, that a lot of the, the emotions involved are, are because of different experiences. I know I've got you know, different experiences and so on that, that have happened over the years uh, and everything. But, but there's more to it uh, for, for many people. And, I, and I, to be honest, I haven't heard this a lot in, our, in, in, in various conversations about race. That that is not just our own experiences, but it's also uh, what has happened with our relatives, what's happened with, you know, past ancestors and so on. Okay. And and uh, if I could just kind of narrow it right now to, you know, black and white, uh, obviously the race conversation is beyond black and white um, and ethnic diversity in, includes more than black and white. But let's just narrow it here uh, for 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 this question. Um I could talk to some folks and, you know, I'm talking and I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about experiences that my parents went through. I'm talking about experiences that my grandparents went through, that my great grandparents and so forth. I mean, we go all the way up the tree. OK. Um, but when I'm talking, say, uh, to white pastors, you know, believers, you know, in a majority white contexts, I'm fully aware, and sometimes it's brought up to me, <laughs> sometimes they'll tell me, that uh, their parents, grandparents, great grandparents, and so on, are on the opposite end of that spectrum. So whereas I'm talking as a descendant of slaves, you know, they're talking as descendants, uh, sometimes as descendants of Confederate soldiers. You know, or, or you know, they're talking as defendants or as a descendants of, of uh, you know, folks who participated in, in Jim Crow, you know, folks, folks who were who are a part of the segregation, you know, and were, were actively supporting segregation, you know, and things like that. And so what that means, though, is that we're both coming from different sides, but we're both coming with with a pretty decent amount of shame. So the shame of uh, uh, you know that that my you know ancestors experienced you know in their dehumanization and and so on, but also on the other side you have the shame of being the dehumanizer, you know the the shame of of knowing that that's a part of the past that that's a part of 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 your heritage you know and and so on as well. So I know this is a complex question, but. How do we address that? You know, how do we, how do we speak and, 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 and really navigate not only the, the ethics of this, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? Does this honor Christ? Does it not honor Christ? But also have to deal with the issue that there are folks that don't want to have this conversation because having this, honor, uh, this conversation will, ha- will admit or concede the fact that there's a lot of shame involved in this.
2: Yeah, man. Um, I think what what you've done in that question is demonstrated the exact need for the conversation, because none of us would go to the doctor and be like, I fear I just, I, I I have a lot of cancer. But if he tells me I have a lot of cancer, I, I fear what that would mean for me. It's like, doctor, I have a lot of cancer. I need help now stat. Mm-hmm. Right. And so why it's such a sh- to not to play on your word but why it is such a shame to refuse to have this conversation is because we are actually holding back the very hope that could minister to people mm. in these situations.
0: Right.
2: And so what and what we do when we don't have the conversation. So I know I talked about you know declaring peace peace when there is no peace and you know I think a lot of pastors that I know are not even doing that per se, but what there may be not connecting is uh, we are mystifying the sin of racism and elevating it to the status of, you know, when we kind of tell the kids, don't talk about that. Well, it's like, well, what is that? Now I'm not equipped to deal with that. And what it effectively becomes is racism is either, like I said before, the sin that can't ever be committed Mm -hmm. or the sin that can't ever be forgiven. Right. And we don't want to act like that. The right. scandal of the gospel is not that Christians can commit the sin of racism. The scandal of the gospel is that Christ forgives repentant racists. Mm,
0: yeah. It's a good word.
2: The scandal of the gospel is that Christ would die for us while we were enemies of God mm-hmm. and forgive those of us who would turn from our sins and trust in Him. Mm-hmm. So there is a real hope for us. And so we can look in the mirror, honestly, because actually God does see us honestly. And when Satan is coming at us with accusation and condemnation, God is coming at us with blessing because he says, I see you the same way I see my son. Mm. Perfect, spotless, blameless, holy, above reproach. Mm. Mm. And so To your question, so in dealing with all this shame, that is exactly what shame does is it pulls us away from one another. And too often in the race conversation, we're just trying to hold up our little fig leaves like Adam and Eve. God's like, I see you. I see you. Mm -hmm. I have to give you the covering you need blood has to be spilt for that covering animal coverings genesis three yeah. but i'm gonna give you that covering mm-hmm. that's what he does time and time again in the bible and that's what he will do time and time again in the church but we're gonna have to be honest this is kind of the whole deal of christianity mm-hmm. you have to admit i was an enemy of god yeah and that entails not only that i think You know, dirty thoughts about that person or vengeful thoughts about that person, but racist thoughts about that person. Or I actually might be complicit in a twisted and crooked generation Mm -hmm. that Paul talked about Mm -hmm. in ways that I don't even realize. I actually might benefit from the past evil that actually might have some bearing upon my life. And yeah, it's hard to think through, but Jesus also said, This Christian in the world, you will have trouble. Yeah. And you should take up your cross daily and follow me. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just we have to be okay. We have to get to a place where we're saying, "Hey, if God is really going to do something in me, He's going to unearth some things in me, and that's going to be really uncomfortable, but he's going to get me there.
1: Yeah, yeah. and isn't that exactly what we see in uh, you know when when we follow in this path, we're following in the path of Christ. I mean, Hebrews 12, you know he for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You mean to tell me that we serve a God who entered into our shame? You know, a God who didn't who didn't dismiss the shame or turn away from the shame, but, but the God who actually jumped right into the shame in order to pull us out of the shame and give us hope, you know, uh and, and, and so on. And so the cross is is not um not simply a a place where um where we see you know the sacrifice for sin and so on, but it's the cross is the very symbol of the shame <laughs> i mean this is this is the epitome of shame you know yeah. he's hanging naked on a cross for everybody to see and i believe that there's a message in there to say hey you know sin is shameful and and i'm yeah. hanging here to you know to come and take that shame and put that upon myself so that you can live in the hope uh that that I give and the and the salvation and the redemption that I give you no longer have to bear that shame because I've borne it for you um yeah. and and so yeah yeah I mean the gospel absolutely is uh is 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 the answer you know to uh the the shame you know of our of our past and the shame of our histories and and so on yeah let's let's talk a little bit about how churches have handled these conversations. Okay. And, and we could kind of do a little rapid fire on this one because yeah. there there are different uh, ways that people have addressed it. And, and I want you just to kind of go, you know, is this cool? You know, it, it will this, you know, will this work? Maybe it works sometimes, maybe none of the time, you know, and so on and, and kind of give some explanation. So let me give you the three right up front, uh, uh, three different responses. And, um, and those are silence, so don't talk about it at all. Uh, you know, that, you know, kind of let sleeping dogs lie, if you will. Uh, color blindness. So, you know, it's kind of a variation, if you will. Uh, we're, we're not going to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it for justification. You know, the justification is we see everybody equally. We don't see color you know, just kind of flatten the, you know, the curve, if you will. Uh, Everybody is the same. Everybody's equal. And then the third is activism. Not only will we speak about it, but we're going to rise up. We're going to protest. We're going to, you know, march. We're going to, you know, uh, do everything. So so those are kind of three options. Those aren't all the options, but those are kind of three that want to talk about silence, colorblindness and activism. What do you think about each of those?
2: It's hard because again, each one requires nuance, right? Sure. What are you being silent on? What are you saying uh so ah oh, man, it's hard, but uh, I get what you're trying to I mean, I get what you're trying to do, yeah, I mean silent uh a church that would never talk about it i would I would have questions about what they do when they get to chapter you know numbers twelve with Moses mm-hmm. and Miriam, and what's going on there. I mean, mm-hmm. I just. I would have questions about what's going on in their community and, and like man like it's just we're not only just talking about the pulpit we're talking about the prayers mm-hmm. this is like does your church pray about this stuff like why would you not pray about this like why would we not pray about russia and ukraine why would we not pray about this so uh i understand scripture says there's a time to be silent there's also a time to speak so complete reticence Probably not biblically faithful. Number two, colorblindness. I don't understand passages like Colossians 3 to teach it. Uh, I think that refers to our status uh, in the kingdom of God, that this is really for everyone. I don't think it removes all the uh, ethnic markers or things that make us man or woman. So Paul also says there's no male or female in Christ. I have yet to meet Mm -hmm. the Christian who says there's no such thing as gender. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um,
1: Oh, Oh, give it time. Give it time. Well, (laughs) I'll let let you write that book. (laughs)
2: Reactivism. I mean, well, this is again, where we have to be careful pastorally. There's a difference between the church gathered and the church scattered. Hmm. So what I mean is I cannot as a pastor stand up and bind members' consciences to say, to be faithful, you must come with us in this march. Mm -hmm. That being said, of course, I hope the church scattered is active and acts of love and mercy and justice. Now, if you're talking about only one flavor of activism sure. or marching in this Black Lives Matter march, well, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the church does... <clears throat> very specific thing in making disciples, but those disciples should be living lives of justice and mercy. And that's going to look different from the house mom than it is for the lawyer, than it is for the school teacher. And that's okay because racism and evil is a monster with many heads. And we're all going to have to go about in our own faithful lives and callings about getting after it. Mm -hmm. So those would Mm -hmm. be my quick hits, not knowing anything about these Caricature of churches, sure.
1: Uh, you've and drawn from and them. to be fair, they are caricatures. Yeah. Uh, but 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 yeah. you,
2: but you're drawing upon generalizations from common experience, which mm-hmm. is a legitimate thing to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Man, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Uh, man, in addition to your book, what are some additional resources that could be helpful for for pastors and churches? I know that you founded this, this website, United We Pray. Maybe even share a little bit about the website and kind of the heart behind that.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, I'll just say, just so it doesn't sound like I'm pumping my own thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, but in the back of the book, uh, I, I give what I, I always wanted to make a kind of starter kit of, mm-hmm. Hey, here are the resources I would suggest. So there's literally that list in the back of the book, uh, for folks. Uh, and so I'd encourage people to check that out uh, because they're not all recent. And but there's 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 just so many good resources right. out there. Right. But United We Pray. What we're trying to do uh, is help is to pray about racial strife between Christians. So really engender more prayer into the conversation. Um, but beyond that, we're trying to help Christians think in a way that is hopeful, helpful, biblical and clear.
1: I like that.
2: Yeah. All four of those things. Hopeful. We speak about it as if Jesus really did get up from the dead mm-hmm. and as if he really is coming back helpful. Uh, we are not just trying to tear down. We're trying to actually build up. Clear. We are trying to write things people can actually understand. Mm-hmm. This is so often was like, what is this commentary on CRT? That's 13,000 words and each word in the sentence is 20 word, 20 letters. And so we're trying to actually write things, Paul said, I've written to you only what you could understand. Uh, And biblical, ultimately, we want to come from the Bible. So we critically interact with other resources. You see, I quote lots of people in the book, the Bible is the authority at the end of the day. So we try to do that in all our resources, uh, To Because I find that people are like, we want to have the conversation. So you know, I feel like people could listen to this and be like, I want to have the conversation. I just don't know where to send my people without being like, uh, well, read this article, but don't read that article. Well, it's hopefully we're, we're trying to make something churches and pastors can use. And so our resources are kind of built. Uh, one, with every article has prayer points on it. So we really are trying to pray about these things. Mm-hmm. Two, hopefully, you know, I've heard of small groups reading certain articles or things like that. Uh, to help build unity in the church.
0: I like it. And and when people go to the website, they're going to see United with a question mark behind it. You want to share a little bit about kind of what what that yes. what that means?
2: Yes, very astute observation, Mr. Ward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so United, there's a question mark behind it because I think the unity of God's people has been a legitimate question in a lot of people's minds over these last, let's call them, I mean, depending on who you ask but let's just call it the last 10 years
0: Hmm.
2: let's call it trayvon to george floyd Hmm. you know and so what we're trying to so someone asked me once do you ever think you would change that to an exclamation point uh which i thought was a great question Hmm. i'd say yeah but what i'm trying to maybe but uh i don't feel like we're we're there. I mean, we're there yet. I and mean, yeah. in, in the fact that the exclamation point was the cross. There's right. no bigger exclamation point. Right. We are one new man. The question is, are we living like that? Mm. And that's the question I want to keep putting before people. Mm-hmm. So you, we pray the letter u w e p r a y dot com, and you'll see a nice question mark that I hope haunts us appropriately.
0: Right. Two more questions, brother. Let's talk specifically to the pastor listening right now, who's listened to to all of this, who's like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to have this conversation now. I've got some good starting points. How could you encourage that brother?
2: You mean besides buying 500 copies of my book? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, whatever you do comes after that.
2: Yeah, right. Um, no, man, I didn't. I'd encourage that brother to say, praise God, man. And uh, I mean, there's lots of ways you can start. What I would say is just start. Um, and what I would say is pray and pray about it with your people. Mm -hmm. Pray and pray about it with your people and then get after it. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different resources and things. Um, But I would say begin because what we don't want, sorry, this is a quick question. What we don't, what we don't want is simply reaction. Yeah. Okay. Well I'll wait till the next big racial tragedy when really it's the entire state of play is a tragedy in Mm -hmm. some sense. So Mm -hmm. You want, you want your people to be equipped for that next tragedy. So is there a Sunday school class you can have? Is there teaching you can have? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very good. That's very good. Um, I, I, if I could add something to that, I don't think that we need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and we've, we've, we've said this uh, repeatedly uh, in our conversation that, you know, the the answer has already been established and he sits at the right hand of the father. High above all you know rule and power and authority and principality. Um, so we are to hold up high the Christ you know uh, as the risen Lord and we are to um, uh, to embrace the reality that he has already established you know by means of his death and and resurrection and exaltation and his soon coming return and so you have people that say just preach the gospel and I kind of want to go amen. Yeah, just yeah, preach the gospel, but but you got to do, you got to actually like obey it too. (laughs) So uh, hold up high the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preach, you know the uh, you know the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, Hold up high, you know the the vision of the kingdom that He rules over, you know, uh, and and so on. But that also means that you got to dig into the details um because all of that reality has profound implications for how we how we live and how we um how we move we are family in Christ we are family and people from every nation every tongue every language we are family first Christ bought that he shed his blood for that And nothing can change that. (laughs) And so all that we do, you know, in our, uh, you know, uh, discrimination and, and hating on each other and so on obscures the reality that cannot be changed. (laughs) <laughs> because Christ has established it, and uh, and and He is the one who alone secures it, and He's not coming off of this. Um, so, for uh, those of us who, uh, who those of uh, you who are listening, who are uh, who are wondering if it's if it's if it's worth starting the conversation, it's absolutely worth starting the conversation. How do I know it's worth starting the conversation? Because the one who sits enthroned on high gave His life for this conversation. He gave his life so that we could live together as brothers and sisters forever, and nothing is going to take uh, take that away because that is the very heart of the mission of Christ. I'm sorry, I just had to preach for a second. Um, <laughs> Your podcast, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, so, what about those who have had this conversation? Let's face it, there are folks who have had this conversation, and they are spent. They're tired. You know, they're tired of starting the conversation. They're tired of going, you know, deeper into the conversation just for it to stall. Uh, and, and they're just saying, you know what, it's just not worth the trouble. You know, I'm just going to sit over here with my people and we're going to be cool and, and, and all of that. Y'all go over there and y'all do your thing. You know, uh, you know, I, I, remember I had actually somebody did this. I, you talked about, you know, people sharing their testimonies. I shared my testimony one time at this, uh, at this one church. And there was a couple that came up to me and my wife, and they said, you know, I think that all of this would be resolved if black people worshipped over over here in one spot and white people worshipped over here. And we just looked at them mystified, just going, your solution to the conversation is segregation? Um, and there are folks that are, that are exasperated, and they're landing in the same spot and saying, it's just best if we are over here, y'all are over here, and you know, we're we're done with this conversation, it's not going anywhere. Um, what would be your encouragement to them uh, who are just tired?
2: Yeah, I mean, and this is a, this is a, this is a huge part of this conversation because in, in some ways we've been, I mean, I would, what I would name is talking to, I mean, not exclusively white pastors, but while a lot of white pastors were here, we would switch gears to talking to minorities, which I'm glad for. Mm-hmm. I try to answer the question head on, should minorities stay in their predominantly white churches? that they're exhausted in. The very unsatisfying answer, but I think honest answer is maybe, and it depends on a whole lot of factors that I walk through. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what I would say to that person is one, it's okay to be tired. Mm -hmm. We're Mm -hmm. we're flesh and bones. Sure. Mm -hmm. We get weary. Mm -hmm. God knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust Two, I would say you're not alone in being tired. This is such a common experience. Three, I would say, I, I think there is, I would say there is freedom in Christ to go where you can love Christ the most. And so I think oftentimes some minorities, I feel like in the conversation, it's basically been reduced to if you stay, you're an Uncle Tom. If you leave, you're a theological liberal. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the devil's deal. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens with, with the wrongful conscience binding in this conversation. Both decisions require faith. And so I think someone can faithfully leave. I think they can faithfully stay. I think they can unhelpfully leave. I think they can unhelpfully stay. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to take a whole lot of wisdom and walking through. I mean, that's why I just lay out these questions and I try to answer them of walking through what should they do. So in, in any battle, there is a time to retreat, a time to rest, and even a time to retire. To say, I've pushed this ball as far as I can push it here. There's no shame in that. It's like, sister, maybe God only had you running from the five to the 15 and he has the work to do with someone else. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in that. Let that sister leave and worship Jesus Christ.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And so I don't want to say to someone, oh, you just couldn't tough it out. Mm -hmm. Some people need to leave some toxic situations. Mm -hmm. But I also want to say to people, like you said, Runger, we're family and family doesn't easily quit on each other. Mm -hmm. We need to also guard against a consumeristic mindset of, church should be easy for me, and it's not here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's just, that's why it's pastoral counsel. Like this person has to make a decision before the Lord that they will stand and own that we cannot make for them. Um, But what I would say to someone who's tired is I get it. yeah, I just, I so get it. And you don't have to do something that you know is terrible for your soul Mm -hmm. in the name of being faithful um because faithfulness looks different for everyone hmm. so that's why i just walked through i mean there's just questions you want to ask can am i expecting change too quickly some of us are expecting change churches to change overnight mm-hmm. that have been wrestling with with an issue the nation has been wrestling with for 400 years right i mean it's not only christians who've had this conversation i mean that's why booker t washington was like you know we're all separate hands fingers on the one hand and Du Bois is not even christian he's like no i mm-hmm. no we're mm-hmm. not we're not going for that Just more segregation. And Booker T. Washington well, I'm trying to lift up our own people. We need our own world. Well, and we're having the same conversation today.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: uh, And that's why, you know, we could talk about starting the conversation. One reason, Pastor, you need to have the conversation is your people are already having it with or without you. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. you, I think, want to inject as much godly wisdom into the conversation as you can.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that'll do it, brother. Thank you again for joining our conversation today. If you haven't already purchased a copy of the book, definitely do that. And if you aren't following Isaac and the work he's doing uh, through United We Pray, fix that today by going to their website, you, as in the letter you, wepray.com, and hit the subscribe button. We want to thank you again for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this conversation helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. Doing so both encourages us and helps others to find out about the podcast. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation.
1: And As always, friends, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.